even in a season like this one. And uh, I don't know how you'd score yourself this morning uh, on hope. I don't know how you'd score yourself on love. I don't know how you'd score yourself on peace or uh, joy. Of course, like this is a really difficult time. It's been another really difficult time in the life of this city, in our uh, nation, across California as well this uh, week. And so um, this is a big deal. And today I want to think with you, though, about the fact that even in the middle of all this, peace can be alive. Peace um, is alive. That peace can be alive when we have high COVID numbers. That peace can be alive when we're all locked in our houses. That peace can be alive when there's a lot of fear and anxiety out there. I met with um, the mayor and some of the other church leaders this week. And they're saying that in Pasadena, their biggest concern at the moment, as well as obviously the, the physical medical thing, is mental health. That mental health within Pasadena is a huge problem right now. Um, the chief of police was saying that in the last weeks, they've had 54 shootings in our city due to gang-related um, violence. That depression, anxiety, all of these things are a huge deal. And the mayor, in his first, it was the new mayor, first meeting that he took at all was to come on with the pastors and say, please, would you care for your city in terms of their mental health. And I thought it was an amazing thing that the mayor asked the churches to do that at this Christmas um, time. Now, despite all the things that, that we're facing, it's interesting that the Bible talks a lot about peace. We serve a God of peace. If you open the Bible, you will find 400 different references to God being a God of peace or God's care about peace. If you open up the first page of the Bible, the Bible starts with God's peace. If you go to the last page of the Bible, the Bible finishes with God's peace. And every single page between the first page and the last page of the Bible is about God trying to bring his kingdom peace, his shalom, to bear on earth. And so today I want to look at with you at a kingdom vision for what peace is. And to do that, we'll also think about what peace isn't uh, in our world. So let's get our Advent reading this morning. Hi, Vintage. Um, today's reading is from Luke 2, verses 8 through to 15. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Fantastic. Who is that good-looking young English man on the reading this morning? Um, if you don't know, that's Matt. Matt is our young adults and youth coordinator. Unfortunately, now at the moment, he spends most of his life locked behind me in a dark room uh, sorting out our video streams, but he is such a blessing to our community. So the angels come to the shepherds and they declare peace on earth, peace to who God's favor rests. How do we find peace? Well, first up, we actually need to know how we don't find peace in the world. And I want to think with you for a minute about the fact that often when we talk about peace in a worldly setting, that we find or look for peace in things that do not work. 
The first way that we often look for peace in the world is we look for peace or talk about peace in this kind of negative and a cultural setting. It basically goes like this. If we can remove all negative things on earth, all sources of violence, all sources of conflict, anything that kind of divides and causes grating between other human beings, then that is what peace is. It is the absence of bad things. And of course, like to the extent where that means removing racism or violence or prejudice, there's some really good things to be said in that. But at the same time, if you just take away bad things, that isn't actually a place of peace. And if anyone anyone's seen the film The Truman Show, it's a very old film. If you've seen it, you're definitely of a certain age. Jim Carrey, it's like this whole great kind of reality TV show, but they create for Truman this beautiful Nirvana world without any pain, without any conflict, all those kind of things. And of course, what happens is it all falls apart because it's just basically a negative view of not having bad things. And of course, if you just have a negative view of peace, you actually get to these kind of places where you get to conflict and violence because in this kind of cancel culture world, when you see anything in the world as a source of violence and conflict, you then get very angry about sources of violence and conflict. Anybody in a society where you have a negative view of peace um, can, um, will be tried to be eliminated if they bring any source of theoretical, perceived, or real violence um, because they threaten, of course, the peace, the gentle status quo that we're looking for. Um, just to kind of give you an example of that, um, I read this in the Washington Post a while back, and uh, there was a, a lady uh, who was called Julia. She was a mom in New York City, and her daughter went to preschool. And it was Christmas, I suppose it must have been last Christmas, and she was helping out her daughter and helping out the preschool. And her job was to look after the music for musical chairs. And because she was a Christian, she thought, like, what music can I bring on at Christmas time? I better not bring on Silent Night or one of the Christmas carols. So she thought, I know, I'll put on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer because that's pretty safe. So she puts on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and uh, everybody like, starts dancing around until one of the workers from the preschool came over to her and said, like, stop, 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 you've got to stop, you can't play that piece of music. And she said, like, what, are you, what are you talking about? She said, I'm sorry, but people have looked into this song and found out that the lyrics of this song are very deeply problematic uh, because this song is actually about discrimination against reindeers and particularly the discrimination of reindeers who have red noses. And uh, therefore, it's absolutely not okay to play this because actually this song reinforces bullying and doesn't appreciate inclusivity or diversity. Like, what? <laughs> like, if anyone knows this song, this song has a beautiful ending about redemption, about this reindeer with the red nose, right? That's how this song goes. But Julia went online to, to report what had happened, and she got 8,000 replies on Twitter vilifying her for oppression of reindeers and for oppression of children. Like, that was a real story that happened. Right? When you push a negative view of peace to its extreme, actually, as our friend John Tyson says, actually, it promotes violence. It promotes oppression. John Tyson says, it's amazing when you have this vision of politically correct peace, the violence gets caused in the name of peace. It's amazing the amount of hatred that gets caused in the name of love, and it's amazing the amount of oppression that gets caused in the name of justice if you just go for negative level peace. Nelson Mandela, who obviously knows a lot about peace, he says, when we dehumanize and demonize our opponents 
actually we abandon the possibility of peacefully resolving our differences and we seek to justify violence against that. So peace doesn't work if you just try and remove the negative things. That's why, that's my excuse anyway, for why in my house we have a new game. Uh, It's called Daddy Tackle. Now, uh, this year, the kids have missed out on competitive sports. They've missed out on having kind of like that moments where kids kind of like fight with each other a little bit and have to work out their differences in a healthy way. And so the kids actually invented this game, which is called Daddy Tackle. And what happens is at 6.30 o'clock every night in my house, they shout Daddy Tackle and they run as fast as they can and just take me out. And then they beat me up for about 10 minutes. And, And actually it's turned out to be a really good thing because it's really good for their stress, it's really good for their anxiety, it's not good for my body. Occasionally there's some bruises, just small ones. Um, but we recognize that we all kind of need a little bit of, a bit of tension. We need a bit of stuff that helps us to figure out our kind of place in society, in the world around us. And that's why here at Vintage, you know, we, we believe in having healthy discussion and debate about stuff. If you come to one of our leadership meetings or our diversity team or our core teams, all those things, you will see people debating and arguing a little bit about stuff because we realize that actually having some sort of debate is really um, important in our lives. And we want to be a church that talks about things, discusses things really well. So negative peace doesn't work in the same way that counterfeit peace doesn't work. Looking for peace in things that cannot fix the problems that we face. It's a bit like papering over the cracks doesn't work. So a uh, bunch of you know, I, I grew up in, in Hong Kong. I love Hong Kong. Um, I talk about it all the time. Um, but I, growing up in Hong Kong, I also discovered whilst I was there that I'm a person who loves a bargain. I don't know if anyone else is like super into bargains. I get deeply depressed if I have to pay full price for anything, if I'm really honest. But I discovered when I was about 15 years old living in Hong Kong that I didn't have to pay full price for things. Because in Hong Kong, there is this fantastic industry, I'm not defending it by the way at all, uh, called the fake industry. There are fake products there are genuine fake products, and there are original genuine fake products uh, if you want to get involved. When I was about 15, I discovered I didn't have to pay full price for computer games uh, because there are these shopping malls that you can go to in Hong Kong where you can get fake computer games. Uh, there was one particularly famous one in a place called Sham Shui Po, which is on the, the Kowloon side. And you'd go to this mall, and uh, on the floor of the mall were these red arrows. And so if you knew what you were doing, you would follow the red arrows around the mall, and it it would take you to the back corner of this mall, and there in the back corner of this mall, you would meet a man who would have a little catalog inside of all these different computer games, and you'd point to the ones that you wanted, and then you kind of waited for 15 minutes, and then you had to follow the yellow arrows that were on the roof of the shopping mall, and you would go to another back corner of the shopping mall, and somebody would just come out and give you a plastic bag, and you'd give them a few bucks, and then you'd take your computer games home. Now, the truth is most of them didn't work, but you'd only paid a few bucks, so it felt like a bit of a bargain. Then I realized that you didn't have to pay full price for clothing either, uh, because there are these, uh, these markets in Hong Kong. And uh, one time I went there, um, I, I saw this amazing England football uh, jacket. I say football because I mean the thing that's round and you kick it with your foot, as opposed to the thing that's like pointy and you throw it with your hand. Football. Um, sorry, that's unfair. Uh, and I saw this coat, and the coat basically uh, was a three lions coat. So in the England football team is called the three lions because the emblem, which I think we've got a picture of here, 
There, that's what the England football team looks like. Three lions. And uh, so I took my jacket home. I don't know why I bought a jacket, because in Hong Kong it's always hot, so you don't need a jacket. But I wore it proudly for about two weeks until I looked in the mirror one day and I realized that my coat did not have three lions. It actually had four lions on the emblem. And then about like three days later, the coat completely fell to pieces and I had to throw it in the trash. I could tell you about my Rolex that I bought for about five US dollars, which was great until I first got in the shower and it's never worked ever again since, right? The whole point of that fake industry is it looks really good because it looks like you're getting a bargain, but in fact, you're just getting ripped off because the things don't work. They're not genuine. They have no actual ability to deliver what they promise to do. And when we go for peace in those same ways, we get badly unstuck. It goes like this, right? How many times when I'm anxious, when I'm fearful, when I'm worried about something, do I reach for something which is going to give me an immediate return, right? Pull out my phone, social media, dopamine hit, or I reach for the cupboard and I go for that food substance or that drink or that, you know, chemical or whatever it might be that I can put in my body, which will immediately relieve the lack of peace that I feel in my soul. Like online shopping, as far as I can think, was invented to give us an immediate good feeling. Like basically you go online and you buy something and then what happens is you wait like three days for it to arrive. And by the time that it arrives, you realize that you never wanted it in the first place anyway, but you got that kind of dopamine hit so you can return it later. We look for these kind of temporary little fixes. But we also do it in like the longer term. We think, man, if I could only in my life get this thing, then I could be at peace, right? If I get that job, then I will be peaceful. If I get married, then I will be peaceful. If I get kids, then I will be peaceful. If I earn a certain amount of money, then I will be peaceful. But of course, for those of us who've experienced any of those things, you know that they don't actually work. They don't provide deep peace. You know, like, um, that was a great video from the bearded Adam uh, a minute ago. And I know Adam's super excited that he gets to move and get this great job. But I also know Adam's a really clever guy, which means that even though he's got this dream high-paying job uh, on the East Coast now, he's going to figure out, as I'm sure he probably already has, in a few months' time that that dream job is not going to fix his soul, is not going to provide him like the endless happiness and peace that he is looking for because jobs like that and jobs at all don't work in that respect. It's the same way if you're ever doing marriage preparation, and I have done quite a lot of marriage preparation with couples, and if you ever see someone who is saying, like, I'm going to get married because it's going to fill a need that I have that the other person is going to now deliver into my life, like the red flags, like <laughs> the lights start to flash, you think, oh, hold on a minute, this is not going to work, because those things cannot provide peace. They are temporary. They're fragile, they're human, they're broken, and they're fleeting. And maybe as a lot of those things have kind of come up short this year, that's why I couldn't believe this. This is a recent report said that in the US uh, this year, one in four 18 to 24-year-olds have had suicidal thoughts this year. One in four 18 to 24-year-olds in the US have had suicidal thoughts this year. It's so scary. So what is a better vision for peace? Where can we find peace? Well, in today's passage, the angels come to the shepherds and they say this, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, 
peace to those on whom his favor rests. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom God's favor rests. Cornelius Plantinga, that's a great name for a theologian, right? He uh, says that shalom, the peace of God, is this. The peace that God is talking about is the webbing together of God, of humans, and all creation in justice, in fulfillment, and delight. Peace is the webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight. So what does that mean? Well, first up, it means this. It means that before we can talk about any other type of peace, any other space of peace, we actually have to recognize that we need peace between us and God. That our natural state as human beings is actually not to have peace with God. That the reason that the angels come to the shepherds is actually to acknowledge that there is brokenness on the earth. They say today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Like think in a place like LA, you often say to people like, what do you think about God? And people will say something like, yeah, I climb up the mountain, go hiking, and I feel close to a kind of spiritual creator when I'm looking out or I'm looking out at the sunset or I'm in Malibu looking out over the bay. Like I feel close to a creator or I do some meditation and I feel close to a creator. And then you say to them, well, what do you think about Jesus, right? About Jesus being a savior. And people often say like, no, I don't think I need Jesus. That's too narrow, it's too prescriptive, it's too complicated. But in fact, that's exactly what this passage says, is that in our human state, we have a fallenness. We have a brokenness. And in fact, if we say we don't need Jesus, what we're actually doing is saying to God himself, you know that amazing free gift and wonderful sacrifice that you made, like middle finger up, we're not interested in that. That is not a statement of peace between us and God. Actually, it's a statement of rebellion or anger between us and God. And so when the angels come, they recognize that as humans, we have no peace with God unless God comes to do something to restore peace. And that's why God sends Jesus, as we looked at last week, to restore, to create a peace between us and God, a relationship, which means that when God sees us, he doesn't see the brokenness or the fallenness or the rejection or the rebellion or all the darkness that exists in the world. He actually just sees us as he made us, which is as a child as a loving partner, as a a person who he can share life with and he loves us. And of course, when you get that foundation of peace in your life, when you realize that like, oh my goodness, COVID is a massive great deal and we're scared for our like future. Oh yeah, but our best friend just happens to be the person who created the whole created order. Maybe it's gonna be all right. Or I don't know if I'm gonna be able to pay rent this month. Oh yeah, but my best friend happens to be the one who created all wealth in the whole universe. Maybe it's gonna be all right. When we realize that our lives are undergirded by a fact that we are in peace and in relationship with the creator of the universe and he loves us and he protects us and he promises that he will never leave us and forsake us and he offers us the free gift so that our past can be forgiven, that our presence can be in relationship with God and our futures are in eternity and are held and are not in doubt, then we have a basis for peace. Yesterday, a few of us went to go and be part of uh, the funeral for uh, our friend Ian, who was part of this church, who's a young guy who died, sadly. 
And those funerals are particularly when, you know, a young person has died tragically. They are not good, I can tell you. But we knew that Ian loved Jesus. We knew that Ian's family, many of them loved Jesus. And so I was able to stand up yesterday and talk about peace and hope. And we were able to say that this is not the end of Ian's story because that, we know that he had a right relationship with Jesus. So number one, like the basis of all peace is a relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, may I invite you this Christmas time just to give your life to follow him because that's where peace begins. The second thing though is that when we find the foundation of peace in our life, then we are in a place to find peace with ourselves. As we find peace with our creator, then we, maybe we can start to think about peace with ourselves. I don't know if you noticed like, the weirdness of this passage. These angels, who do they go to? They go to shepherds. Now, shepherds, sometimes in the Bible, were these very grand figures like Moses and Abraham and David. They were very royal. But the shepherds in Jesus' time were not that type. They were actually peasants. They were people who could not provide for themselves by farming their own land, so they would have to hire themselves out to look after other people's animals. That's why there's a bunch of shepherds living in a field with some sheep. But the angels come to the shepherds primarily. I wonder how easy it is to always think, like, think this. I am not good enough, right? I'm not smart enough. I'm not fast enough, I'm not wealthy enough, I'm not good looking enough, I'm, I, I am not enough. And actually we think, if people really knew what I'm like, they would not like me. In fact, if God knew what I really think inside my heart, then he would not love me. But in this passage, what we see is that the angels come to the shepherd and it says the glory of God shines all around them and it says they're terrified. And I don't think the reason they're terrified is not one of those kind of like, you know, farmer in the Midwest looking out, alien spaceship arrives, they're terrified, that kind of like terrified. But if you notice in the Bible that every time the glory of God in its fullest sense arrives, it's so bright, it's so overwhelming, it so transforms the environment around because it shines light into the darkest places that actually people are overwhelmed by it. When Isaiah sees the full glory of God, he says, oh, woe to me, I'm completely screwed because he realizes that God's glory is shining straight through him and his full being is totally exposed before God. He realizes all the mess and all the stuff that's going on in his life is totally exposed and he thinks, oh my goodness, I am screwed. If God's glory is like this and my life is like this, then I am in trouble. But actually when the angels come to the shepherds, they don't go, oh, actually the glory of God is shining on you and that is not good enough. We'll go and find someone else. In fact, the good news of joy comes to the shepherds. In fact, if you look at the, the whole Bible, the people where God's glory goes to, the people who Jesus chooses to hang out with are almost exclusively screw-ups, like people who do not have it all together. Jesus goes and hangs out with tax collectors, sinners, outcasts, poor, sick, the demon-possessed people. That's exactly where Jesus goes to. In fact, the only thing that seems to qualify people for being ready to encounter the living Jesus or his presence or his Holy Spirit is that people know that they have a desperate need for God in their life. The people who, God, who Jesus was most um, critical of were the people who thought that they got it all sorted, that they thought they didn't need a savior. 
the thing that qualifies the shepherds is that they know that they are not all that, that they don't have it all together. It says the glory shines around them, which means that if we do think, gosh, God, I, I can't talk to you, like I can't be in relationship with you. If you really knew what was going on in my heart, you would not love me. We should be deeply impressed and reassured that God chooses to go to the shepherds. When he could have gone to Emperor Quirinius at the beginning of Luke chapter two, he chooses the people who are at the bottom of society. Psalm 139 says, for you have searched me, God, and you know me. God knows you. He knows everything in your heart. He knows every thought that you have. He knows every hair on your head and he doesn't discount you. He chooses to come to you in love. So peace comes when we realize that we don't have to be maybe the fastest or the strongest or the most wealthy or the best looking person in the room that actually God says you are enough because I have done it in Jesus. You are okay because I love you. You will be okay because I will walk with you. Peace comes when we recognize identity comes from who God says that we are. And then the third thing is that peace comes when we recognize our place in the created story. When we have peace with God and then peace in our own hearts, then we find a basis where we can walk out the story of destiny the journey that God has for each one of us. Like now these shepherds, nothing special, no qualifications, no education, no reputation. But the angel invites them to go and see Jesus. And then it says in verse 17, when they'd seen him, Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. These shepherds become the first evangelists on earth. They become the ones who share the good news of Jesus and everyone around them is amazed by the words of this uneducated group of shepherds. You see, when we become the non-anxious presence, when we recognize that we have callings on our lives which were different from strivings on our lives and things where we're gonna beat down everyone else and we're gonna be better than everyone else and actually we can just relax into the love of God, then we find that he has things for us, tasks for us, missions for us, things for us to be involved in which will see his kingdom come. Like I, I know, and I was talking to somebody about this this week, I know at Vintage this year we've slightly, well, we've, we have failed to, to talk about the thing which is very important to us, which is that we want people of vintage to discover their passions and their gifts and their, spirit and their things that God's put in their hearts. And we want to help you do that so that you can serve the kingdom of God. COVID has kind of sidetracked us from many things this year, but that is a passion of us. We believe that God has things for you. We believe that he's put things in your heart. We believe that he's put talents and gifts and abilities, but they're not for you to strive and be the most popular or the strongest of things. They're actually to build up God's kingdom. And the shepherds discover the very thing that they are invited, the mission that they have, which is to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And they recognize that they're invited into the better story. So how do, we, how do we do this? Because it's fine to talk about peace, right? It's fine to talk about a relationship with Jesus. It's fine to talk about trying to find peace in our souls. It's fine to talk about living out peace as a non-anxious presence in the world. But how do we actually practice peace? 
Well, let me just finish with some thoughts. And they go like this. If we are going to find peace in 2020, in the middle of COVID, we are going to have to stop. We are going to have to stop. Advent is a time of waiting. Advent is a time that God gives us to wait for the coming of Jesus and to have this holy angst about his future coming. It's a time when we're supposed to stop and we're supposed to prepare our hearts for Jesus. And yet, so often Advent becomes the busiest time of the year, right? It's like, goodness, we have like Black Friday sales and Cyber Monday sales and Thanksgiving and in our house we have birthdays and then we have parties and presents and all that kind of stuff. And by January, I've got a complete headache and I wonder if I've really connected with God at all because I've been so overwhelmed and so busy and I've got such a headache because of all the stuff and noise and things. When Advent is supposed to be a time when we stop and receive God's peace in our lives. And the good news, the good news of 2020 is that for the first time in living history, our society, our leaders, those who rule over us, are telling us to stop. They're telling us not to go to the mall and buy all the things in the mall. They're telling us not to go to massive noisy parties. They're telling us not even to go to our workplaces. They're actually telling us to stay home. It's like we've been given suddenly an opportunity to do the very thing that we're invited to do, which is to come into the presence of God. If we want to know peace, then actually we have to go to Jesus and encounter him and spend time in his presence. And maybe this year we have an opportunity to do that in a way that we will never get a chance to do ever again. Because probably by next year we'll all be back and doing crazy parties again and all that kind of stuff. But this year we have been asked to stop. And so I wonder what would it look like for you this Advent to pause to breathe, to rest, and to come into the presence of God. To allow the Holy Spirit to come and inhabit your very anxieties, your very biggest fears, your strivings, your doubts, your fears. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do a deep work in each one of us and that this Advent may be the exact time for you and me to stop, to rest, to wait, to hear the voice of God's presence speak peace into our lives. So as I finish, here are just four things that you might, I'm going to put them up on the screen, that you might want to consider doing this Advent. They're just the best resources that I know that might help you out if you're thinking of how do I even do that because I don't know how to spend time with Jesus. Well, the first one, um, if you look uh, middle to the left, um, Lectio 365. Um, it's an app. You can get it on your smartphone. You can get it uh, on a website. It's a a little thing every day, there is a little Advent reflection. In fact, it goes through the whole year. It's the guys who came up with 24-7 prayer. Pete, Greg, and those guys, uh, they do a short 10-minute audio reflection. You don't have to read anything. Beautiful music, bit of scripture, some time of prayer. Pause, reflect. Pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. You could do that. A um, bunch of us have been doing that, and it's beautiful. It's brilliant. 10 minutes of your day. 
Second thing you might want to do is you might want to buy this book if you still haven't bought a present for your loved one or for yourself. Um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Pete Scazzaro. Um, sometimes God uses particular voices at a particular moment in history. And this is a guy that God is using right now. He's a pastor of New York City, um, podcast, book, lots of other resources, emotionally healthy spirituality, how to live our relationship with Jesus in a practical everyday way. Maybe you could do that one. Um, third thing um, you can do on our social media, Arlene, Carla, Laura, the rest of the team, they've built this beautiful reflections every day, little picture, uh, Advent reflection that you can get from our social media every single day on Vintage Pasadena. And then the fourth thing that you might want to do is we're just launching, we just launched it really, trialed out this week, is Deep Inner Healing Prayer. It's like Sozo, if you've ever done Sozo. It's an opportunity to spend some time praying with another person and going deep with Jesus. When we come to faith, we almost think sometimes that all our problems are going to be dealt with and we're not going to have any other issues. But actually, we know that we have so much baggage and history and pain and anxiety and fear and stuff that we've got to deal with. And the deep inner healing prayer is a way to deal with some of that in a loving, gentle, Holy Spirit way. And uh, if you would be interested in getting making an appointment totally free to talk about a deep inner healing prayer, um, Linda is right here and Jeff, they're right here. Or you can come and talk to me and we can talk to you about deep inner healing prayer. So those are four things that you might want to do. But as I close, may I just remind you, Advent is for pausing. Advent is for waiting. Advent is for preparing our hearts. And I believe that Jesus wants to meet us. And as he meets us, he will help us to discover what peace between us and him looks like. He will help us discover what peace in our heart feels like. And he will help us to discover what peacefully engaging in the world around us might look like. So let's pray.